Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Minnesota. Kristen Lyerly in OBGYN is on the Fox River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die Welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead, and joining me tonight is the wonderful and fabulous um, and my good friend, Kristen Lyerly. And I believe Pat Kreitlow is in somewhere really warm right now, and he's not joining us. Do you know where Pat is, Kristen? I do. He sent me a picture today. I was driving through Chippewa Falls, and it was icy and gray and about as ugly as it gets. And I said, you should really be appreciating your vacation, knowing that it's like this at home. And he sent me a picture of himself with a monkey on his shoulder. He's in Costa Rica. Dude, I don't know he's in Costa Rica. <laughs> that's where I, that's where I do generally go. I'm I'm in Madison right now, and I'm uh, you know uh, cold as cold. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, what have you? I haven't seen you since what, three weeks ago uh maybe four, a month ago did you have a good holiday uh, are you back in the saddle what's going on yeah well you know it was kind of a weird holiday i did a lot of working so i actually worked over the christmas holiday and we celebrated like before and we celebrated after and so it was a little bit of a different kind of holiday but it was kind of neat to do it that way because then we didn't have that holiday crush so we got to just enjoy it and savor it a little bit more you mean working like like delivering babies and doing yeah. the procedures and stuff in Hibbing. <laughs> don't you have to go to you have to go to Minnesota now to to, to be a guy in a OBGYN because it was Johnson, yeah. right? Yeah, well, you know, we've got this 1849 criminal abortion ban here in Wisconsin, which sounds pretty simple like, you know, just don't do an abortion, but OBGYN is complicated and abortion is not a binary issue. It is a very it's a, an individualized issue. It's a patient-focused issue, and it makes it really hard to take care of our patients. So I kind of had to put my foot down, and uh, you know they need a lot of good docs in Minnesota, and that's where I'm helping out right now. That is, uh, you know, we're we're not going to talk too much about uh, Roe Roe and and uh, reproductive rights today. We're going to talk about gerrymandering, but I I can't believe you know it's you and so many others uh, really talented. Doctors now are been have been sidelined in Wisconsin. It just it's just so absurd. It just I shake my head every single time I think about it. Well, I mean, COVID happened. There was a physician crisis before COVID, especially in rural areas, and then COVID happened, and a lot of docs just left. And now with what's happening in Wisconsin, doctors of all different specialties are wondering to themselves. Is it worth it to practice in a state that actually wants to apply criminal penalties for doctors who are are practicing good standard of care, thoughtful medicine? And this is not just OBGYNs. It's emergency medicine docs. It's family medicine docs. It's midwives. So, yeah, this is a really big deal. And, you know, we've got to fight for it. And that's what we're doing. And that's why we're pushing so hard. And we're going to talk so much about things like the state Supreme Court race that are coming up. That's coming up. Absolutely. So uh, part and parcel of electing a progressive judge to this uh, state Supreme Court will be uh, getting uh, women's reproductive rights back. But that's not the subject for tonight. Mm -mm. In a a minute after we play some great music, we are going to um, 
talked to Jim Santel, who's a former United States attorney who and a friend of mine and a friend of the show. And we're going to talk about how if we elect a progressive Supreme Court judge, uh, what happens next? How can we actually reverse the terrible uh, maps that have kind of done away with decent democracy in Wisconsin? So uh, after our short break, we are going to come back. Stick with us. You always pick these pieces that just have so much depth to them. Like we could do a whole show about the music that you pick, <laughs> but we you. won't, but we, we won't. Well, that was re redemption <laughs> song because we're, we're going to talk about redemption uh, tonight, how we can redeem Wisconsin can redeem, finally redeem itself from terrible maps that took away democracy from our state in a large way in 2010. But mm -hmm. before that, Kristen, I know yeah. you, you really want to introduce our, our, our next guest. I do. I'm so excited to be back here with Jim Santel. Jim is a former U.S. state's attorney for the Eastern District of Wisconsin. And before he did all this work for the Department of Justice, he served as rule of law coordinator and as a legal advisor at the United States Embassy in Baghdad during the Iraq War. Very interesting. Um, Jim is a Wisconsinite through and through, except for that little stint that he spent at the University of Chicago Law School. Jim, we're so excited to have you back. And none of us is perfect, uh, Kristen. We're so <laughs> glad to be with you tonight. It's an honor to be with you once again. Okay, Jim. So uh, thank I remember you wrote to me uh, in, randomly and after one of my poignant emails where I just like leave it all hanging out, you know, on a Sunday and I try to talk about Wisconsin and, and As you Kirk wrote to, to do all of those things. <laughs> so you wrote to me and, and we became fast friends because we agree on a lot of things, even though we're, we come from uh, different backgrounds and different parts of the state. Um, so I wanted to set the stage for all of the folks listening tonight and on the podcast later. Can you, I mean, before we talk about what we do to get rid of gerrymandering, can you just remind us how we got to where we are today? I think many, many national papers and media outlets have said we are the most gerrymandered state in America. Tell us how we got there. How did we get there? And yes, it's recent history, but it's also far past history. Traditionally, what happens in a perfect world absent partisan decision-making, which unfortunately we do not have today, you'd have the legislature, the Wisconsin legislature, the assembly and the Senate drawing some maps. It would go to the governor. And again, if everybody agrees that the maps, the lines as drawn are appropriate, the governor signs it and we're done with the process. That apolitical nonpartisan situation has not been the rule in our state, many other states for a long period of time. So what happened here recently um, is that the state legislature, the Senate and the Assembly, came up with a set of maps, some lines that they drew, 
And as did many other groups, you recall this very well, all your listeners, uh, Kirk and Chris, remember this well, there were groups of people um, very appropriately soliciting comments and questions from groups all around the state of Wisconsin, proposing different kinds of maps, different lines that would hopefully eliminate gerrymandering on both sides of the political aisle. And you'd have truly, truly, or maybe not perfect, but closer to fair elections. So what happens in, last year in, in, actually in 2021, and now, um, uh, almost uh, two years ago, what happens is that when there's not a disagreement, of course, where do you go? You go into the courts, right? And traditionally, traditionally, once again, it's been the federal courts that have handled that on the notion that the federal courts are a bit more distant from the state politics and they should render a decision that's maybe not perfect, once again, but independent of that kind of partisan politics that might generate an inappropriate result. What happens here in 2021 is that this is brought to the Wisconsin Supreme Court almost immediately through some procedural mechanisms and machinations that, again, uh, we can go into it. So Jim, say it. Say it like it is, man. That was shady <laughs> business. It was shady Absolutely. business. It, it jumps over all kinds of procedure that normally you'd go into a, a circuit court. You'd go into court. The Supreme Court takes this up very, very quickly. And again, in the interest of time here tonight, simply say that, okay, we didn't decide what the maps should look like in Wisconsin. Way back in, um, in, in so early on, in November of 30th of 2021, the Wisconsin Supreme Court issues a four to three decision. Four to three decision says, you know what, we're going to take a look at these maps. We're going to make a decision based upon the least change approach, which is a, a legal principle that's not been out there before. They just sort of announced it and said, we're going to do this. It's going to be our least change approach from the past. And an awful lot of people appropriately thought, well, gee, if you're not going to change a lot of things, that means we're going to stay with the maps gerrymandered as they are, right? And there was great concern about this. But nonetheless, the Supreme Court solicited all these maps from various groups, including from the legislature, including from the governor, Governor Evers. Everybody submitted their maps. And to much to our surprise, after that initial November 30th decision, on March 3rd of 2022, um, Justice Hagedorn uh, joined the court's liberals on the court and basically said that the Evers maps were the best example of least changes because they moved the fewest number of voters from one district to another. Again, a surprise. And so we assumed, all right, we're going to go ahead with the governor's maps. Not to be outdone, the Republicans then take that decision and run to the United States Supreme Court and challenge that decision of the of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Along the way, Brian Hagedorn, in his decision at the Supreme Court level, has said there are good reasons to believe that a seventh majority black district um, in the Milwaukee area is needed to satisfy the, the Voting Rights Act. He made a, a comment about that. The Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, seizes on that and says that Justice Hagedorn's application is wrong. His approach is wrong. Unsight opinion uh, in March, the Supreme Court, a majority opinion, says that drawing districts based on race first required that a Voting Rights Act violation be found. Again, has to do with all these machinations, once again, voting rights. Supreme Court basically said, we're sending it back to the Supreme Court, the Wisconsin Supreme Court, because they didn't do it right. And again, and yet another change, everyone thought, well, maybe Justice Hagedorn will do what the Supreme Court told him to do and make the right findings, make that kind of analysis of the Voting Rights Act, and he doesn't. And what happens is that the majority of the Supreme Court, again, a four to three decision, basically says we're out of time. We can't do this again. This is March. 
Uh, we have April 15th coming up. The candidates are scheduled to begin circulating nominating petitions. And as a result of the timing on this, Chief Justice Ziegler, now writing for the majority, says uh, the legislators' maps, legislature's maps are superior to those of the governor and other alternatives out there. Under the record presented before us, she says, and with the clarification from the United States Supreme Court, we conclude that the legislative proposal um, is the only legally compliant map setting. And that's how we get here. Back and forth and back and forth, Supreme Court, uh, State of Wisconsin, and federal court. And now we have these maps adopted by the Supreme Court in the state of Wisconsin, crafted by the Republican legislature. So in, in, in 15 seconds, Jim, there's been four complete subterfuge cheating areas that I that I heard you talk about. First, it was lease change, which was completed out of thin air. That was the Wisconsin Supreme Court cheating on us. Then yes. the second cheat was this. Uh, well, that was the first one was in the, them wading into the issue at all. The Supreme Court right. shouldn't have waited. That was the first cheat. The second was the uh, least change, uh, least change doctrine out of thin air. Cheat. Made up. You know, you know, the third was that Supreme Court weighed into this thing and, and did reverse discrimination and didn't want to add too many black districts, which doesn't make any right. sense at all. That's a third right. cheat. And then finally, they just give the worst maps to the Republicans as as the the answer to the Supreme Court's like do over for cheats. Exactly. It's unbelievable. And that, that last one is arguably the most significant, right? Because even if a superior court tells you, gee, you did it wrong, that's what judges should do. That's what we should expect our appellate judges to do. Wrestle with the tough questions. Yes, you have to spend. I know they spend late nights doing all this. But this notion that we're running out of time, so we're just going to pick one. No. Do that analysis, burn the midnight oil, get this done in time, get us a map situation that makes sense, and do it, again, as Justice Hagedorn would have said, uh, that would have created this additional district in the south side of Milwaukee, and that would, whether it's under a voting rights analysis or a simple fundamental fairness analysis, gotten us a better situation. You're absolutely right, Kurt. So, are we stuck with these maps? Like, how long are we going to have these maps, which are actually worse than the maps that they came from? Absolutely. It was not the least change. Well, you know, we, we've had the worst situation. Exactly, Kristen. And so the answer is, and I think this is why we're gathering together tonight, is to talk about what a remedy is. The short answer to question, believe it or not, coming from me, long-winded me, um, is that typically you'd wait 10 years. The next time this happens is in 2030, a new census under the Constitution, and we're stuck with that for the next seven years or eight years or so. Not necessarily so. And I think this is what our discussion is going to be about. Is there a mechanism now in the wake of having one experience in November of last year of deciding voting under this new map situation? Do we have people who've been disenfranchised politically under other theories under these new maps, such that you can go back into a court and say, you know what, this is violative of our fundamental rights. And even though they've adopted by the Supreme Court, now we've got some clear proof, some clear evidence to suggest those maps are, in fact, disenfranchising portions of our population. And of course, we've seen that our current Supreme Court, which is 4-3, very conservative, has not given us the results we want in terms of fair maps. However, that's what we're talking about tonight is that we have an opportunity to flip the Supreme Court numbers to four, three, you know, on the progressive side. Now, 
I don't say progressive meaning Democrat. I say progressive meaning not in the hands of the Republican Party because they the four justices that we've seen, three at least, Hagedorn kind of flips sometimes, have shown they are almost in the pockets of the Republican Party. Whereas we say progressive judges, but honestly, you know, I haven't come across these judges to be that partisan, but I do sense that they care about fairness. Uh, right. So, so um, the question is, Jim, we we're, we've got about three minutes before we uh, talk to Kelly in the next segment. The question is, you know, the first we talked when we talked about this, we're like, okay, if we elect a progressive Supreme Court judge, we can relitigate this. The, what's the easiest way? It involves our Attorney General, right? Right, right, absolutely. And again, the attorney general, any attorney general, regardless of, of his or her politics, represents who? Represents the people of the state of Wisconsin, right? Fairness, decency, rule of law. And so Kirk and uh, Kristen, we've all had these conversations before. The attorney general should be on the side of right, not only historically, but presently, and should do those things now that ensure that we do, in fact, have fair voting. That certainly is an option um, at any time to go in. You still have to find the, the, the basis for doing that. You've got to articulate a cause of action. But as the attorney general, you do have that authority on behalf of the people who elected you there to speak on behalf of the people and say, this is what I'm doing as the chief law enforcement officer of our state. And we're advancing this. You can bring it into a circuit court goes up to an appeals court, and ultimately, again, your point, Kirk, end up before the Wisconsin Supreme Court. The attorney general has that kind of broad power to do this in this and many other areas, environmentally, um, education, healthcare, all kinds of things on behalf of the people. Um, the last, and I agree with that. However, I wrote an essay, and I think it's just my own opinion, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, Jim. I'm not so sure that uh, Attorney General Call will be the one that that takes us to court, and and regardless or not, I mean he I you know he's done a lot of great things for Wisconsin, but but I think he's uh, lagged behind other Attorney Generals, uh, let's say in Michigan, who uh, were were ahead of the Roe v. Wade issue. Uh, the other Attorney Generals in swing states are are trying to do more to prosecute uh, uh, people that in, in the insurrection. So I'm not exactly sure that jo that Attorney General Call is the one to lead this. Um, so, uh, you know, that's why we want to talk in the next segment about other ways, uh, plan B, so to say, that that citizens of Wisconsin, uh, you know, just, you know, in a in a in a in a, you know, in a in a just a, a natural way uh, might have recourse to sue. So that's why and that's going to lead us out sorry Kristen, I, I was i wanted you to lead us out of this one but i think i accidentally did myself that's gonna <laughs> that, that's gonna lead us to the next uh segment so uh stay tuned everyone and we're going to talk about ways that people themselves can uh can change the course of our state's dem democracy and indeed they can Let me die. This is the end of 
redemption song, obviously. The legend lives on from the Chippewa down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. Superior, they said, never gives up her dead when the gales of November come early. Oh, the Edmund Fitzgerald is such a, I, have you ever been to the Shipwreck Museum? Superior, they said, never <laughs> gives up her dead. There's a Shipwreck Museum in the UP and they stream that over and over and over again and you can't get it out of your head. It's really pretty remarkable. And they've got like bits and pieces from the Edmund Fitzgerald, but I'm getting off on a tangent here because <laughs> we are here to welcome Kelly Westland, who is a Democrat who recently ran for state Senate in the 25th district, which is on the shores of Lake Superior, Douglas Field and Ashland counties. Before she ran, uh, Kelly served as Tammy Baldwin's Northwest Regional Representative since 2015, and she has been an active community leader in northern Wisconsin for the last two decades. Kelly, thanks for joining us again. Great to see all of you. Nice to meet you too, James. <laughs> Great to see you, Kelly. You, you guys couldn't be in more polar opposite places of the of the state of Wisconsin. That's for sure. Uh, Jim being and a that's Milwaukee. the beauty of Wisconsin, right? <laughs> okay, so. Kelly, um, it's great to see you again. Thanks so much. You've been constant. You've been a constant fighter, even north of me, uh, and I'm pretty north uh, for for Wisconsin. And uh, and you fought hard again, but I think the gerrymander got the best of you on the last election. What do you th What do you think? It was a tough race, and I'm not going to lie. The spread was, you know, kind of a surprise, even given the new district lines. Um, However, in kind of my experience, at least going back and kind of comparing what happened this year to what happened in the last midterm, um, I don't know that the maps were all of it. You know, I think that there are some other things that we can kind of do depending on, you know, how this might move forward at the state Supreme Court or, um, you know, how things might change before the next time around. So I, I agree with you because the real gerrymander of, of your district came in uh, the last decade where yeah. they seemingly split uh you know douglas county in two and just for all of our viewers douglas county bayfield county ashland county all voted 55 percent for mandela who was a losing democratic u.s senate candidate so if you're the the word he's not going to get the bet like i don't even know what evers got but arguably he got more votes because he actually won but those three counties are all next to each other they all are uh, right up against lake superior and um and and if and kelly i want to ask you do you think that you know your district looks like a horseshoe there's like a big like a jigsaw puzzle in the middle. When everything looks like a jigsaw puzzle, you know it's not good uh, for voting rights because there's no reason to make a jigsaw puzzle in a district. Um, wh what what happened? I mean, I guess the ultimate argument is there's three counties there. Superior is the biggest city in that area. There's zero. There's there's not a, there's a Republican senator now, and there's three Republican assemblymen. Do you think? those three counties deserve at least one Democratic assembly person? Well, I sure think so. I mean, I might be a little biased, of course, but um, I don't know how many folks watching were super familiar with the layout of the district uh, before the latest go round. You're right, things did change uh, 10 years ago when they drew the new district. Um, 
it's a district that's been held by Democrats since mid 80s, you know, close to, to 40 years now. And um, at that time, uh, Janet Bewley was running uh, to hold the, the Senate seat from the 25th. And when they changed the maps, they made it a much tighter margin than it used to be. She was still able to pull it off, but it was a much, much closer race than it had been in the previous iteration. And for this time around, uh, she was serving as the Senate minority leader and um, they were, you know, they, they were coming for this one, trying to get that Senate supermajority. Right. And um, they, what they did essentially is took out Lac de Flambeau on the eastern side of it. So that tribe was completely removed from the district and they added in um, more of Burnett County, which is more of a red rural area. So that's what shifted the whole Senate district. As for the 74th, which is what ultimately divided Douglas County. Um, that's what they got in exchange for Lac de Flambeau. So all three of these districts, and if you look at the current map for the 73rd, which was previously held by Nick Milroy, I mean, it looks like this crazy like dinosaur thing. It's just, it's clearly a map that was drawn to benefit one party. And now you've got, you're right, these three counties that have been this like blue holdout up north for decades that um, don't have that kind of representation anymore. So um, you know, I've, I've got some questions like, is the population really just changing that much? Is it that the Senate district is only up in midterms and those, you know, maybe aren't as favorable to Dems given, you know, recent um, experience? And then um, what I'm seeing so far is that the biggest change from 2022 going back to look at 2018 is the sheer amount of outside spending. Um, people living in this district have never seen this level of spending. I mean, people that were getting 20 and 30 attack ads like mailers a day in their mailbox, um, constantly on the airwaves, on your phone, on your television. It was like, you know, people here were so frustrated by the end of it. I wouldn't be surprised if it actually turned people off from participation at all. Yeah. And you're not alone. You know, I'm in the 8th Congressional District and I made this map the other day that I'd like to share with you. That's the 8th Congressional District in yellow. Can you see it? Sure. Do you see those two little blue spots right there? Those are the <laughs> those are the assembly districts that are represented by Democrats. The whole rest oh. of the yellow is all Republicans. Congressional, Senate, and assembly seats. <laughs> that entire section. And it's because of gerrymandering. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, after all these years of having, you know, Beth Myers, Janet Bewley, um, and Nick Milroy, at least up in this northern part of the district, the 75th hasn't had a Democrat since Stephen Smith almost 10 years ago now, actually. Um, it's just, it looks so sad to see the map of Wisconsin where the furthest north the blue districts go is Eau Claire. You know, <laughs> thank goodness for Jeff Smith and, and uh, Jody Emerson. Seriously. And they didn't have easy races either. No. So what did the district look like with the Fair Maps Commission maps and how would that have helped you? Um, that's a good question. So those ones, I know that the people that held all kinds of public input sessions, they asked about how communities are connected. They tried to kind of keep it more condensed instead of where it's got these like weird drawn out edges to try to connect um, completely disparate you know, parts of the world. And um, from what I saw, it would shift it a little bit in that, um, you know, uh, in the 25th, I've gotten so used to working with folks in Rice Lake and Barron County, for example, where their version wouldn't have included Barron County in the 25th. Um, so it moves it up a little bit further north. But I think that makes sense. Um, you know, there's a lot. It, it's it's a huge region. It's the largest Senate district as it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, just the diversity of like concern or industry or, you know, whatever, uh, really varies across this district as it is. Well, obviously, there's um, not a lot of people 
uh, so you're going to have a lot broad, broad swath of northern mm -hmm. Wisconsin, but you do have you do share lots of things. Uh, you know the 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 tourism associated with Lake Superior. Mm -hmm. um, you know the 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 the, the you know the shipping to, to mm -hmm. a certain degree. Um, the but the tribes, and I want to get into that because uh, Jim was talking a little bit that about that as well. If mm -hmm. I'm not if I'm mistaken, the the lack the Lakuta tribe in Hayward uh, is an Ojibwe uh, nation, and so is the Lac de Flambeau tribe, which mm -hmm. is close to me in Manaqua. And uh, both of those, they're the, they're, it's different reservations, but it's the same Ojibwe tribe that we're talking about. There's also the Red Cliff tribe, and what's the other one up there? Bad River. There's also Saint Croix. Bad River. So that new senatorship with that had the fair that the fair maps commission that evers commissioned not to be partisan he that's why he brought in everybody he possibly could around the state it was like let's do it the way that people want it that's and so a novel idea huh? go figure <laughs> the way they do it in iowa i don't know if it helped iowa but anyways the way they do there's a there's a there's a there's a template but the, what could really help iowa though let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> so the question is this so like at least didn't they get that senate district to at least cover the tribes uh which which have obviously very similar interests uh, especially if they're in the same nation which is lac de flambeau and la couture that and, is not yeah go for yeah, it as i say and importantly they're all also within ceded territory so when it comes to things related especially to natural resources uh, management that's you know something that is a really important discussion that they often have with their representatives in madison um but if I know I'd have I don't have the maps that the Fair Maps Commission did in front of me, but I believe that their proposed version of this district would have kept um, Lac de Flambeau, Bad River, Red Cliff, and Lacoudre in one district. Um, Saint Croix is a little bit further west, where it would have just you know um, had to stay out. But I think that the way that it is now, this twenty fifth has. Um, tribes that are that don't work together as closely as Bad River, Redcliffe, and Lac de Flambeau do oftentimes. So um, to me, I feel like the folks that are in Lac de Flambeau have really lost any opportunity that they might have had before to have representation that listens to them, that works with them. Um, I'm not sure who is over, is that the 12th district that uh, they're, they've been moved into now? And I don't know about what the rest of the land of that district looks like, but I can't imagine it's going to be electing a Democrat anytime soon. <laughs> So let's bring it around to like, we've identified the problem, but it, it, Jim, it, you get this it, from a legal perspective. Is there standing here for some sort of a lawsuit to rectify this gross malrepresentation? Sure. And so when I listen to Kelly speak tonight, I'm thinking about just that, Kristen. So she's identifying individuals, she's identifying groups of people who as a result of the line drawing that we talked about in the first segment may well have been disenfranchised. When we talk about gerrymandering, which by the way, comes out of, of Eldridge Gary from our founding fathers and we talked about it as a dinosaur. At that time, it was a salamander. So maybe you're acting tonight a whole new way of thinking, dinosauring in some way. Uh, but uh, get, get back to the, the fundamental point here. Um, the issue is whether or not today, in the wake of these recently recrafted lines, there are members of those tribes, Le Couture, Lac du Flambeau, others, 
And beyond that, um, citizens generally, um, again, understanding that those are nations, those are nations in our country and in the state of Wisconsin. They have independence, they have great importance. And Kelly, as you just said, they also um, have a commonality of interests and commonality of focuses. There are others out there who could likewise say, because of the way that these maps were drawn, um, again, gerrymandering, getting back to that concept, it basically involves cracking or packing. In this case, when I hear Kelly talk, I'm hearing cracking. That is dividing up populations in such a way that they cannot possibly be the majority in the remaining districts. And so you get exactly what Kelly described tonight, which is the impossibility of any of those groups that do have as nations kind of a unified notion about who they should be represented by. They can't possibly be represented in the state. And so you look at that cracking and you say, that is in violation of our fundamental notion about representation. Those people, whether they're parts of the Native American, again, 11 of them in the state of Wisconsin, federally recognized tribes, uh, if, whether part of the, those nations, part of other communities, other areas, you identify people who can say that as a result of those lines in this last election, maybe future elections as well, I have been disenfranchised because I no longer have the representation of the sort that Kelly has described tonight. That is standing. I've suffered a harm. It's cognizable, to use the lawyer word. It's something I can go to court. I can show it on a graph. Kelly can come in and testify about these things, and can others. You do have to have individuals or groups of people who are plaintiffs in the case. But my guess is, from what Kelly has said, and what Kirk, you've said, and Kristen has said, others have said tonight, you probably can identify them without too much difficulty, especially now, as we said in the first segment, you've got a track record of having a voting procedure that we just concluded in November. And we can see the results of that and the representation now in the state legislature or the lack of it. That's standing. Gotcha. Thanks, Jim. So, Kelly, here's the big question. I know that you've uh, uh, you worked your, you worked terribly hard to to represent, uh, you know, constituents in the 25th, you, you were knocking doors. So we talked to you right before the election, you know, you and Laura were on. And uh, do you have it in you if we elect a progressive judge to lead the charge and uh, and bring a lawsuit for uh, for the good people of the northern Wisconsin uh, to try to get our fair maps back? I feel like I sh should consult a lawyer about that. <laughs> <laughs> you find a good one somewhere. I'm not sure right? where that person would be. You need somebody up there to do it. I think it should happen in Superior, Ashland, and Bayfield. I that's what I think. You know, and it's, it's, there, people here were just like, you know, flabbergasted. It's been so long that we've had good, reliable representation. And even though it was in the minority, it was like, well, at least my, I've got a good one. And now, um, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what our new representatives do, but I, I'll just say that I'm not optimistic, um, you know, and uh, in the meantime, uh, we're all going to get together and continue doing that door knocking, that hard work to get people to turn out for the spring election, because we really, really need a progressive person on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. There's no I mean, even if this issue aside, we need them there for a lot of reasons if we're going to get Wisconsin back on track. And other than that, we've got to really start. Um, paying attention to what the right is doing as they're recruiting people for every single local office. Mm -hmm. They're building the bench. They're getting people engaged. And, you know, even if you don't have the qualifications to run for county clerk, they're going to find somebody to do that. You know what I mean? So we need to make sure that we're leaving no race uncontested. We've got to get people to sign up for these local roles to be a part of government. Um, 
because, you know, that's just, it's, it's so important for us not to. <laughs> you are so right, Kelly. And I think many of us felt when all of the fair maps efforts were not giving us the result that we wanted to see. I think many of us lost hope for a little while and felt like, well, here we are at the end of the road and we failed. But the truth is there are plenty of other things we can do. Run for local office, run for state office, consider whether you were disenfranchised and do you have standing and could you bring a case? There are so many opportunities that we have to try to write Wisconsin. So Kirk and I just want to say thank you, Jim Santel. Thank you, Kelly Westland, so much for joining us tonight and helping us understand this problem and think about what the future will look like. Thanks. For Always coming. a pleasure. Good to see you. And all right. See you guys. We'll check right. you out soon. Thank Take you. Care. Good to see Thank you, Kelly. You too. Take care. Oh, that wait, is that that's when you start singing? Uh, put like, on the like whole Journey? Journey Escape album and like <laughs> mm -hmm. Stone in Love, let's go. So, <laughs> so obviously, I mean, when I thought about okay, how do we do the redemption? You know, how do we, how do we, how do we end this uh show? And it's here like, we go, deep thoughts with Kirk Bangstead, everybody. Th think about, I mean. Yes, democracy, we could get it back and we would welcome it with open arms and we might sing a little journey along the way. And I just thought about what it would be like if if we could, you know, actually have a Wisconsin that that wasn't so broken by both gerrymandering, obviously too much money in politics, uh, the a ALEC Association that writes bills for us at a na for Republicans at a national level and just passes crazy things we might get the Wisconsin that both you and I grew up in. Mm -hmm. This isn't us. This isn't our people. Wisconsin is progressive. Bob LaFollette progressive. Wisconsin was the birthplace of the Republican Party, which was the Democratic Party back then. I mean, it formed out of abolition and unity. Wisconsin was the place that recognized that we needed a state income tax. So how are we going to make that happen? Wisconsin was the place he said, workers comp, great idea. Let's protect our people. This is not our Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, the Wisconsin I grew up in, at Stevens Point, um, was a Wisconsin where legislators, while they differed in, in, in ideas, still got together and uh, at least passed bills and had enough taxes to make our roads uh, had nice roads. We mm -hmm. at least charged enough in property taxes to have good schools in every part of Wisconsin, not just uh, urban areas in, in the rural part. We had good rural schools, you know, and, and we didn't have people trying to tear down our, 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 our county, our, our municipal clerks uh, and, and with election denying. Like we, we, mm -hmm. we got to this place and through 
through trickery, through cheating, and, yes. through and through divisiveness. And it came from the right. It did not come from the left. The, the, the left obviously are more, are, are more polarized now because we're like back into a corner. But we can get this back if we focus on the next two elections. And tell us what we got to do, Kristen. Well, I think we have to be courageous. You know, we have to recognize where we can step up and where we can make a difference. And it's on every level. Like Kelly was saying, we're seeing people running for all of these local offices that don't actually care about local government, but they're just being put up to it and they're being funded instead of running for school board because you've got a kid in school and you recognize where your voice could make a difference or you have been talking with your neighbors and you want to make this change in your city. There are so many places where our voices are needed and we have to find the courage to use them and to support each other. I agree completely. I want to point out the two most important areas uh, that we've been leading to for most of the show that we need to get out and vote. And the uh, first one is in less than six weeks, almost exactly six weeks, and that's February 21st. The reason this is so important is A, nobody knows that there's a primary election for these Supreme Court judges on February 21st. And that's why we're trying to talk about it on this show and, and so many other people are trying to get the word out. Nobody really thinks about voting in February. You know, did you know, I, I honestly didn't know until last year that Wisconsin has four elections every year, four. We send people to the polls four times a year. <laughs> the primary, the nonpartisan primary in February, okay. the nonpartisan general in April, the partisan primary in August, and the yeah. partisan general in November. But like, we're not paying attention. Most people don't vote, no. especially in the nonpartisan primary on February 20th. I, I don't even know if I've ever voted in a nonpartisan primary in February. And I've been involved in politics. But I know because I've been talking to Pat and you and other folks that that there are four candidates for mm -hmm. Supreme Court justice. And two of them are backed by progressives. And the other two are deeply in the pockets of conservatives. And so and so only two people out of four get advanced in, in after this primary. So mm -hmm. unless progressives, unless people who care about fair maps and who care about democracy in Wisconsin get out to vote in this primary, there is a chance. And it's not a big chance, but it's enough of a chance to lose sleep over if you're if you love Wisconsin to that their two conservatives could could both win. And, and then we wouldn't even have a shot on April 4th. And it's not because Wisconsinites don't care. It's because they don't they didn't know there was a primary. Yes, you're 24th. so right. And those two conservative justices, by the way, Dan Schaefer reported today, he tweeted that they didn't go to Harvard or Yale. They went to the Christian Broadcast Network University for their law school education. That's Pat Robertson's university. I mean, it's not the UW. It is obviously a very biased background, which should be very concerning to all Wisconsinites. Wait, both of them did? Yeah. That Kelly, they both went to the same law school? Uh, that's what Dan Schaefer was reporting. <laughs> well, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, we, we know that the, uh, the, current, uh, the current setup, you know, especially Re Rebecca Bradley has mm -hmm. made so many just shouts of uh, uh, political theater from the bench that uh, there is there we've, we've had professors emeritus uh, from UW-Madison on the show 
uh, talking about how they've never seen this type of writing coming from the conservative side of the Wisconsin mm -hmm. Supreme Court. So, mm -hmm. so it is, uh, you know, so it's so February 21st. Uh, everybody needs to get out and vote. Um, I am, I am endorsing the Monaco Brewing Company is endorsing this. I'm not putting words in Kristen's mouth. I'm, I, I'm endorsing uh, Janet. Uh, man, it's hard to pronounce her last name. Uh, Pro Prosekowitz. I believe, um, because I think she's got the best chance of voting. And I, I think we all need to step up and vote for one in order to get somebody through. Uh -huh. um, but anyways, it's February 21st. Um, so please get out and vote. Kirk, uh, Kirk, yeah. do you know what you could do right now? What? Everybody listening to this podcast right now who lives in Wisconsin could go to myvote.wi.gov and register for their absentee ballot. You have to do it every year. So you have to re-register. So January has started. Get in there. Click the button. I promise you it'll take two minutes. Register. You will get your ballot in the mail. And then you're going to vote. You're just going to do it. So do it right now. Do it for nice. Kirk. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Kristen. And I think that uh, with that call to arms from, yes. from our strong, our strong friend, Kristen, <laughs> that ends our show tonight. Uh, next week, however, uh, Kristen and I will be back. I'm not sure if uh, Pat's going to be back by then. Uh, we might invite Jim back because we we're going to talk to uh, Jason Bissonette, who is the Dean of Students at the La Couderay College in Hayward. Kirk, uh, you're trying to drum up some trouble here. <laughs> what? I have this feeling that you are trying to like drum up some trouble here. <laughs> I'm listening to this podcast while I'm talking. I see what's going on. Uh, well, I'm just saying I'm I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing in northern Wisconsin. So we're going to talk about the tribes and how they have standing to mm -hmm. uh, potentially override this crazy gerrymander we have. So, yes, Kristen, thank you so much for coming and thank you all for listening. And we will see you next week. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Bye-bye. <laughs> open arms. Yeah.